That man is magic. Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zolkowski. I'm Sean McIver. I'm Scott Elfstrom. In the year following JFK's death in Dallas, native Texan Lyndon Baines Johnson became president of the United States and was faced with guiding the country through massive political change while seeking to secure re-election. This week we talk about the 2016 HBO movie based on a Pulitzer Prize winning play about this fascinating period all the way. But first, what's your favorite species of tree in Texas? That is to say, not a specific tree like the one in your backyard, but just all kinds of one tree. <laughs> well, I'll go first. Uh, I think the coolest name tree in Texas is the Bode Ark. Uh, and it's a tree that is found a lot in East Texas, and the Caddos say it made the best bows. Hmm. Well, um, while it has many lovely qualities and it's all over the place, uh, my favorite species of tree is definitely not the live oak, which drops entirely too many leaves in my yard. But um, really nothing uh, says Texas to me like uh, pecan trees. They... uh, they deliver delicious fruit. Uh, they make uh, delicious smoke for barbecue. Um, they're probably they give a lot of shade. Yeah, they're they're and, good trees. And they leave their their nut holes all over your yard. Yeah, I don't have them in my yard, so that's why I can like them. Well, here here is what I would say: the pecan tree is the state tree of Texas, and I would have said the pecan tree because that is probably my number one. But just to let you know, the humble mesquite tree, it has all that great flavor when you cook with it. And it's on everywhere you look, you see mesquite flavored this and that. However, it also has horrible thorns. It's kind of ugly. It looks like a scrubby brush. And it's covered in these weird sticky beans that I had to pick up from the yard when I was a kid. But, uh, you know, people love brisket. Yeah. Uh, I once drove under a mesquite tree in a tractor and uh, left some nasty scars on my arm for many years. I'm pretty sure I'm allergic to mesquite trees because when we moved away from the mesquite area of North Texas, my allergies reduced radically. (laughs) Well, you know, that's all there is in South Texas. Beautiful flatlands covered in mesquite trees and scrub bush and wesatch. But we're not here to talk about that part of Texas. Let's talk about the dry, desolate part of the sad irons of the Perdinalis. <laughs> yeah, so we watched this week the movie All the Way, and this was an HBO movie. It came out in 2016. It was based on a Pulitzer Prize winning play from Texan Robert Shinkan. He wrote this play in the, early two, in the mid-2000s, and uh, it won a Pulitzer Prize uh, and a Tony Award. And uh, it's the play starred Brian Cranston, who is most famous, of course, uh, as Buzz Aldrin in the night in the 1999 uh, series from Near to the Moon. I think he was in another show later, but I can't remember. No, he was the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. He was the dad on Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, no, he's of course well, the legendary performance is Walter White. Uh, Brian Cranston won a Tony for his performance in this play. Uh, and so in 2016, HBO released the film of this by director Jay Roach, who you may remember from 
uh, Austin Powers movies, uh, but actually he's won several Emmys for uh, political uh, films on HBO and uh, some biographies. So he is a noted director. I was surprised to find that out. But this movie is, and the play, is about Lyndon Baines Johnson immediately after the death of John F. Kennedy and becoming president. And it's it's really a series of scenes, uh, moments in time where he is using his political powers for the first time to full effect. Uh, and he's battling the Southern Democrats he to get civil rights in place, but also to not you know drive them away. He's working with and sometimes against Martin Luther King and the and the civil rights movement, uh, and he's trying to get reelected to the presidency because he knows he has a year, and then in the next November '64 he will be running for president uh, and trying to secure a, an election on his own, and uh, I, it it was just a remarkable film. I mean, from the very start, Brian Cranston he looks like LBJ. He's got that that kind of hunch he's not as big as lbj was but he's got that presence that lbj had and he's got that cadence of his voice that you know that that ranges from that you know the speeches that he did where he's real empathetic and to the the gruff you know you know the gruff texas boy uh uh you know you know kind of preachery conniver just the you know he's got all of those mannerisms that you really associate with uh, LBJ that I've never seen anybody. The only person I ever seen came close to it was Donald Moffat in the movie, the right stuff. Um, and, uh, so you can't, you can't just throw that out and not say the test pilots thing, Sean. Right. <laughs> test pilots. Yeah. No, that I just, it was, I think it was just remarkable just seeing, you know, this transformation of this actor who you, you can tell it's, it's Brian Cranston. But at the same yeah. time, he just becomes LBJ. Oh, he's yeah, and I don't. I, I'm trying to remember because I read about this a few years ago. Um, I can't remember how much prosthetic work there was, but I know you can tell he's just holding his mouth in a certain way that he just finds that LBJ look with his own face to really carry that. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with LBJ. He's got that particular look and. Um, he manages to convey that through the whole film. It's, yeah, I, it truly a lot is of, remarkable. There's a lot of makeup. There's because of the way the there's the crease in his between his jaw and his and his you know his cheekbones where that you can tell that they've kind of they you can tell they've taped it down and and really emphasize that with the makeup. But so a lot of it is makeup. It's not so much prosthetics like you said, but still. It's to me, it was the mannerisms because Brian Cranston's a guy who's in shape, but there are scenes where he's like, you can tell he's kind of got a pot belly. And I, I'm like, I don't think Brian Cranston would just go off and get a pot belly for this movie. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> LBJ did. He was a big guy. And uh, it, just the way he carries himself and holds himself is just remarkable. And the cast in this movie. Well, that's what I would say is you're, you're, you know, crazy. Mr. Yeah. Cranston is an incredible actor and he's worth right. heaping praise. He's great in everything he does. But. Anthony Mackie, Frank Langella, Bradley Whitford, and of course the unbelievable Stephen Root, who is just that man yeah. is magic. So Stephen Root plays J. Edgar Hoover, and and uh, I will watch Stephen Root play anything. Uh, from, from well, for those from, who are just from, from the Earth to the Moon 
uh, you know, playing Chris Craft to playing Milton in Office Space. Well, that and also uh, he's in um, the the big hit Barry that came out recently on HBO as well. And uh, I heard an interview talking about him, just how what an incredibly gifted actor he is in terms oh yeah, he, of just he has such a good range, great range of great actors. So you're not gonna, you know, this is something that is if you like. Texas and you like history and just going to open up with the, I'm going to get the clothes right now, guys. If you like Texas and history, you need to watch this movie. Yeah. Uh, you need to find HBO and get on there and watch this all the way. And you will not be disappointed in the performances in it. Yeah. I, you know, Brian, you know, Anthony Mackie, uh, who is of course fantastic in the, uh, in the Marvel cinematic universe, uh, as the Falcon, he plays Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, and he's younger, I think, than Martin Luther King was, or maybe not. I, I'm not sure. He he looks younger than Martin Luther King. You know, Martin Luther King was a little more fleshy than Anthony Mackie does. But Anthony Mackie gets the mannerisms and he gets the vocal tone. He doesn't overdo it, too. That's what I liked about Anthony Mackie's performance and even Brian Cranston's. But, but really, Anthony Mackie's performance is he doesn't become a caricature of Martin Luther King. He just embodies the character. Uh, Melissa Leo... Uh, played Lady Bird Johnson, and she's wonderful. Frank Langella plays Southern uh, Southern Democrat uh, stalwart Richard Russell, who was uh, uh, Dick Russell, who was LBJ's real life mentor. Bradley Whitford is a remarkable as Hubert Humphrey. Um, there's just so many great performances in this movie. Uh, Ray Wise, it's <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. Leland Palmer, and he plays Everett Dickinson, a, a, a Northern Republican. Well, let me just just to to take it back to the history part of it, and you know, this movie covers uh, a very specific range right. of his presidency. And, right, and you can and you can tell it's a play too because it's it's a series of vignettes, right? It's and it's it is kind of stagey, but it's it's not like a sweeping epic with lots of these big action shots. This is very much. Like this is very much an acting film, yeah, right? An, an yeah, but acting. I would say yes. But there's also some fun things, like they go to the ranch. They have some interesting locations, right? You know, like any political drama, it's going to be a lot of people speaking in, sitting on couches and speaking or talking in the halls. But they captured a lot of the real historical elements of LBJ's personality in this. He famously would give people what he called the treatment. Oh, uh, the he treat. Where he very, you know, would get right in people's faces and get uncomfortably close to talk to people. They showed a lot of what, and we talked about this, you know, we talked about his mentor, Sam Rayburn, in there, but we've talked about him when we talked about LBJ tangentially of his ability to get legislation through and done and coming up through the legislature was really what made him uh, a very powerful ally to the Kennedy administration and then in his own administration to get things done. Yeah. There's a scene where he's trying to get the cloture votes, uh, to stop the filibuster of the civil rights act of 1964 in the Senate. And he's going in, he's, 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 there's a great scene where he goes into an elevator with Fulbright with Senator Fulbright, uh, and gives him the treatment. And you really see that, um, you really see that in in on display, and, and it, it, the, the LBJ's method of of getting people to go his way was very remarkable. I mean, I, I would say he, he. A lot of people have said he's the the most effective senator 
uh, in American history, just because he could get you to do anything. And it was this range of, 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 of glad handing and compliments and friendliness and berating and conniving and begging and pleading and bribing. And it was just literally the whole range that he would turn loose on, on someone from the president down and he got his way. He would get his way. And it was that scene in the elevator with Fulbright is just, just phenomenal. Just how he, he turns that situation, you know, around and become, and gets that vote that he needs, uh, to, to get that out of cloture. And then there's another scene at the 64 democratic convention where the Mississippi delegates and the George, uh, the Mississippi delegates and the Alabama delegates have walked out because they've seated, uh, two members of the Mississippi freedom party. And one of them is an African American and they have walked out and Georgia delegation is about ready to walk out. And the governor calls him and Johnson's in bed and he calls and he gets out of bed and he just goes through every single th- trick in the book to, to, to just bully this governor into keeping his his delegates in in the convention uh, you know and he says are you what kind of Christian are you what kind of man are you that you're gonna let someone do this to you is a phenomenal scene there's just so many great scenes and sequences and and like the great thing about about the performance and this is true to life with Johnson he could turn on you in a split second. And you could think that you were on top of the world with him, and then he could turn on you and cut you down. And then the, the second later, he's back to pat your back and your best friend. So he was a very mercurial personality um, in every way, but he had a vision and a goal, and he was going to do what it took to get to his vision and his goal in his way. Yeah. I think that I, really comes across. Yeah, it definitely. And, it's funny because uh, we we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but um, you know this is history, right? It's based on history, so the outcome obviously was known. But as I was watching it, um, I found myself so wrapped up in what was going on that I was wondering: Is is he going to win? <laughs> What's going to happen? <laughs> you know, it's just it was just so so well presented that it really it it very. Um, I don't know. It very proficiently um, conveyed the stakes of what LBJ and uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and everyone was trying to accomplish in that time period. And LBJ, as uh, determined as he was, he was also, like you said, he was very effective as a senator. He knew how to work within the system. So, you know, when he tells uh Martin Luther King, that, um, you know, we're not going to get the voting rights, but we will get it, you know, once I'm reelected. You know, he makes that commitment, and it's like he's working that machine the entire time, and he's he just knows that if he's successful with the first part, the second part will happen. Right, and, and, he, and, he, and he, re, he, he also reels him in with, and we're going to, we're going to declare war on poverty, and we're going to we're going to get jobs. We're going to get education. We're gonna, and it's going to be available to everyone. It's going to be there for everyone. And yeah. it's like, you know, don't be in his perspective is don't be don't throw away the long term gain for a short term win or loss. Yeah. 
what I found interesting about the whole thing in, in a holistic view was thinking about, it got me thinking about a couple of things. One of them was LBJ, what LBJ represented growing up and sort of what, you know, people's opinions of LBJ. And I think we're of an, of a certain generation where being of a post Vietnam generation, um, we grew up with a lot of great Chuck Norris movies about rescuing POWs and, for us, I think that that was so much a piece of his legacy. And this is all of the things he did before that, that I was aware of and historically understood. But when I think about where LBJ sort of sits, you know, I think of him as he was a Texas president. He was uh, a teacher and he came from the Hill Country. And I know all of those parts of his stories, but I also associate him with he was also the person who really pulled the trigger on that major escalation. And... That piece of it is really the the storm that's coming. So this shows you all of the stuff he did, but then it really lays the groundwork for you to understand that there's a, a whole other chapter of this story that they're not even telling in this movie. Yeah, I think that this movie shows you the means that he'll go to to achieve his ends and the means that he'll take to because he feels like he's right. And he's absolute on it, It, you know, and he's going to do anything he can to get to where he wants to go. And I think that and so that's why the film is specifically it ends with his reelection. And then he says, now, now, you know, you've done it, Mr. President. And he's he says in his mind, now this is when it starts. This is when it begins, you know, and he I think that, you know, and it's and and then and then in the. The, the you know the post you know the post credits you know the first two two uh, interstate or first two chirons are you know he he passed the civil rights act uh, the voting rights act in 1965 and it allowed you know for the first time allowed African Americans to to register to vote for freely and then the next one is he 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 instituted the war the you know, the, the the great society. And all of these things and Medicare, Medicaid, all of these things that he instituted. Then the next one is by 1968, the public was tired of his handling of the Vietnam War. So it's like and he chose not to run run again for reelection in 1968. So it's like the great success that he achieved domestically, the the remarkable success. But the Vietnam War is this is this ever present thing that's hanging over your heads. And there's actually a scene where he does order the missiles. He does order the airstrikes during, you know, with the Gulf of Tonkin situation where he yeah. it wasn't it wasn't real. I mean, it, it was something that they realized that it was they couldn't prove. And then I think at the end, at the at the at the party uh, and Humphrey, uh, let me back up. So Humphrey is there and he says, you can't prove this. You you're going to order airstrikes on an attack that you don't know actually happened. And, and he says, we need to do it. And then, uh, when there's the, after the election at the party at the ranch, McNamara, the secretary of defense hands in this thing. And, uh, this folder says from our South Vietnamese, from the South Vietnamese allies, you don't know what it is, but basically that's probably the report that says there wasn't an actually an attack. You know, there wasn't they, they he escalated on nothing. And yet that was the thing about it. you find out you if you read about Johnson and the Vietnam War is that he found himself in, increasingly 
entrenched in having to stay in this war because he couldn't get out. And that that was part of his personality. That was part of his nature and his makeup was he was going to see this through. He could not back down. He could not retreat from something that was from an obstacle. And it it ruined him in the in the terms of his his foreign policy legacy as president. If he didn't have Vietnam, we would be considering LBJ one of the great presidents of all time just for his domestic advances that he that he led. That was something that I was thinking of too, is that that contrast between say like he was so focused on uh, the civil rights and the domestic agenda that um as horrible as it was, the the things that were going on in Vietnam, at least in this particular uh, portrayal, um, seemed more a, a hindrance to him, something that was in the way of achieving what he was really interested in. So, I mean, historically, on a scale of, you know, good to bad, how, how accurate is are, are the stories here? How accurate is the portrayal overall? In your opinion of what you think my opinion is very accurate my opinion is very accurate because it doesn't shy away from some of the things uh it doesn't shy away from first of all his horrible temper that's one thing uh it doesn't shy away from his uncouthness because the one of the very first scenes in the in the oval office he's getting fitted for a suit and there's a famous meme out there of a audio tape of him talking to the head of hagger slacks uh, about getting him some pants, and he's and it's and he talks in great detail about where the the seam needs to be cut so that his yeah. business can be have room for all of his business, <laughs> and that is word for word what the words he uses in that scene, in the scene in the film. So that that's one thing. Um, he was the treatment is handled very well. His tr- his his treatment of ladybird like he can be very vicious to ladybird and apparently he was could be very vicious there's also a remarkable scene where she he yells at her and she leaves the room and goes to the bathroom crying and she's talking to his assistant walter jenkins and she says that you know but she loves him and she you know and he and, she, and he's the one she's the one he chose he's the one he comes home to and she's she's put up with his temper and she's put up with his lady friends, uh, and he's put up with she's put up with everything that he's done because he always comes back to her, and she's the one, and he needs her. So, like, I think that that nature of their relationship it doesn't shy away from that. He's he's not a likable person at all. Well, I think that's you know the thing that struck me from reading biographies and pieces is the fact that he's, and, and we talked about it when we talked about how he brought the German delegation to. Uh, brought them to the ranch, brought them to the Perdinalis. And, you know, we, we've talked about him in a couple of tangential ways. And what I find interesting is he just had his own style and he was abrasive and he could be mean. He could be gracious. He could be funny. He used every trick in the book to get what he wanted from people. It's a strange and interesting throwback to watch that this historical portrayal. I thought everybody did a great job and I, I felt, I got totally sucked into it. It was wonderful. You could also tell that he he did genuinely care. He wanted to see change in America. You know, the scene, the scene at the ranch where he talks about the being a teacher with the for the 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 Hispanic children in South Texas. 
you know, that is a true story that really happened. And he, he did talk about that. Actually, he had another speech before Congress where he talked about that in support of the Civil Rights Act of, 60, of the 1964. And so, you know, he did really want to, to, to make it so that people weren't poor because he had been poor. He'd had everything taken away from him. He'd had he'd had to be, you know, live on the kindness of others. He'd seen the effects on his own life and the effects on people that he knew. But also he was perfectly willing to sacrifice all of that if it meant getting what he wanted. So he yeah. has a very dichotomous character. So early on in the movie, you know, he says in one of his internal monologues that everybody wants power. That's what, you know, the, whatever no matter what people say, that's what they want. But towards the end, there's another inner monologue is where it looks like everything's fallen apart and he's really scrabbling to to get the the bill passed and to get the reelection that he um, he phrases it differently. And I wish I could remember the exact phrasing. I may have to to go look that up at some point. But it's basically he says that, you know, he wants to accomplish this thing. He wants everybody to have, um, you know, the same rights. And so it's kind of this this turn of his character where you realize, okay, yeah, he's this rough and tumble, get the deal done politician. But, but like you said already, you know, he, he genuinely believed that this was the right thing to do. But he knew the consequences too. There's a scene where right after he signs the bill where Humphrey comes up and says, congratulations, Mr. President, you've done it. And he says, what the F are you so happy about? We just lost the South of the democratic party in my yeah. lifetime, maybe in everyone's lifetime. Yeah. You know, so there's another scene later where he's running for for election, and he's in Louisiana, and they're chanting. There are people chanting for some people holding signs for him, and some people ha ha holding signs for Barry Goldwater, and and he gets tired, and he walks out there and says, he says that you know Louisiana people, you know, he says basically, you've been told that your your rights and your your politics is based on you being white and They've lied to you and said that and tried to play on your prejudices to give to keep political power. And he said, I'm tired of it. We need we've passed a law that is that will give rights to everyone. And we I will defend it and, and I will enact that law because it is the law manipulated. Be, stop letting your prejudice manipulate you. So it's like this again, like I said, very dichotomous. But he he knew the costs of things, but he did it. But I think it it works in this context of this film, it's like he's going to go all the way to do what he needs to do. Now you can watch it on HBO. You can get it on DVD as well. Um, recommend you go seek it out. It's an excellent, excellent film. And there's several scenes in Stonewall at the ranch in Texas. Uh, one scene right in front of the house, the reelection uh, party. Uh, so do you, and there's another great scene where <laughs> LPJ uh, and Humphrey drive his, uh, uh uh, what is it? An aquatic car, his amphibious car into the yeah the the, uh, the aqua car that he he drives in there. That that's a thing. That's a real historical event too. He apparently loved scaring the pants off of people because he would drive this car into the water. <laughs> it's a cute little car. They built him in the sixties, and uh, they were they they float like a boat, and you just drive it right in the water, and then you can take off. And he gives old old Hubert a real scare. It's, but that was the kinds of things of I knew that story, and so the tension was was more of just watching for the reaction of what happened there. 
And I think, but I think even if you know the history of this, you still get something from seeing it enacted. Because to see the performances bring so much of the history to life. So, fantastic. Yep. Don't miss this one, folks. Yeah, I, I've, this has been on my watch list on uh, HBO now for, uh, well, 2016. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, do it, Scott. Just didn't get around to, to watching it until until this week, so uh, I'm glad I did. And uh, it's you know, like I've said over and over, it's a remarkable and moving portrayal of uh, LBJ. Um, you know, fighting to to leave his legacy. <clears throat> well, well, get yourself to HBO. Find a copy of All the Way and get to watching, folks. It's a great story about a Texas historical figure that we haven't tackled in full yet because it would take five to six episodes. <laughs> that wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We love hearing from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave us some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. And why not follow us individually, too? I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean. And I'm Scotticus. If you love this show, tell your friends. Let them know what we're doing. And please leave a review on iTunes because that helps us to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash texaspodcast, where you too can become a come-and-take-it Texas Ranger. We hope you join us next time, and remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.